welcome to Employee of the Month. Here's your host, Katie Lazarus. Hello, my name is Ian Mazoff. I'm not the host of Employee of the Month, but as its editor, I pretty well have a dream job. I'm also way too into fart jokes to be at the helm of such a highbrow production, so I'll shortly pass you on to Katie Lazarus, who does, in fact, host the Employee of the Month show. In this edition, producer Michael Gottwald returns for an in-depth chat. Michael was an award recipient at a recent Employee of the Month show. The interview you're about to hear was recorded at the Writers Guild. I thank you for your time. Um, I'm very excited to welcome back Michael Gottwald uh, onto Employee of the Month. You are back from the Oscars. What True. was that like? Um, you know, it's funny. Me and my friends, I mean, me and the other, uh, the other people from Core 13, you know, my, my friends, my producing partners, we've been sort of decompressing it a little bit. Um, and it's funny. I think the Oscars, as like growing up interested in film, I guess you can go the cynical way and be like, oh, the Oscars are bull. But I went totally the other way when I was growing up, and I, was, I, I would watch it every year. And yeah, sometimes yeah. you get disappointed because the, 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 you know, the, the, movies you, the movies or the performances you wanted to win didn't win. Yes, I had that this year, but I have that every year. Sure, everybody has that everywhere year, and it's because, you know, everybody has their own picks and whatever. But for me, it was like the biggest sports game of the year. You know what I mean? It was sort of like finally taking this, it was like taking this thing, this hobby that I loved, and finally like putting it on a scoreboard, which is inherently like problematic, you know? But I think that there's already tension in, in filmmaking between, you know, commerce and art already. That's the whole, that's where the whole thing. It's always been there. That's always been there. So it's, to me, it's like putting it on. And I, when I was a kid, I didn't have enough kind of awareness about the world to even think about these things. But like looking back on it, I mean, it's, it's already like a filmmaking is already like you're already crossing so many different paths. And, and the way that the industry is already is so kind of complicated that I think that having a big celebration of the industry is no more or less complicated than the industry itself. I, I so like might as well. Way. Yes. Um, so, I, yeah. And I grew up watching every year. I remember when Titanic came out, I was not a fan of Titanic, but I think I was kind of like reacting to the fact that every 13-year-old girl, who I was 13 at the time, every 13-year-old girl like saw that movie like five times, <laughs> and I wanted to um, invalidate their, their... Their experience? Yes. <laughs> but like looking back on Titanic, like I watch Titanic now, and I'm like, this movie's great. It's like... Is it great? I haven't seen it. I didn't like it as a well, kid. Well, it's the don't. typical John Cameron... Or John Cameron... Oof, that's embarrassing. James Cameron thing where, like... John Cameron Mitchell. Yes. <laughs> Hedwig and the sinking boat. Um, <laughs> no, it's like the typical James Cameron formula that he does real well where he puts all these pieces... He spends a lot of time put, putting all these pieces into place and then you see them all collide and explode in the final... Act, you know what I mean? Got it, got it. That's the formula for for his films. I don't know if it's always the formula, but it's like that's what he does to a T in that. And it's okay. like I think it, it got you know he, it it's been respected more after the fact because I think when a movie comes out, you can concentrate on like bad dialogue writing or whatever. But in the end, like that movie's great. I mean, like you get you actually you do care about the characters. It's a like. And uh, and then you watch them sink on an um, in an amazing sequence that's like I don't think been equaled that's yes. on the scale of like like 
old, old Hollywood movies like Cecil B. DeMille type stuff. Like wow. that, that boat being destroyed is crazy. But anyway. Did you get to see any of your heroes or meet any of your heroes there? Well, there's always the, the, like, the go-to reaction, which I think is not... I'm in, I'm in at the Oscars. Oh, right, at the Oscars. Not, not on the not Titanic. On the Titanic. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. There's the, there's the standard thing of like, oh, my God, everyone is so much shorter than you think, which is true. Clooney, short. Is he short also? Definitely. Like, weird. Wait, how tall? Like, probably my height... Or which is five, five eight, five okay. nine on a good day. It's so fascinating because I remember meeting Tom Cruise and being so. Well, that's everyone. I think that everyone knows that, and I think that that's been okay. Well, sorry, I sorry, didn't. Katie. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's born into. I think that's now part of the myth of Tom Cruise. I'd <laughs> be like, can you not? Can you not choose the most derivative? <laughs> sorry, sorry. Overly explored, point. but no, no, no. I, <laughs> I think that that's... I couldn't get over how sunny the sun is. <laughs> but it, it is amazing how short they, they are, these men yeah, in yeah, general. Yeah. Are the women as teeny, too? Um, I don't... George I don't, Clooney's short. George Clooney's short. But and, Ben and Affleck's fun, not, right? He's shorter than you'd think, but he's not, he's, not a, he's not a short man. You know what I mean? It's fascinating. Yeah. Mel Brooks must, like, be 4'4". I don't know. Mel Brooks is not an attendant. He looks short already. So. <laughs> yeah, Mel Brooks, is a, I think he's a very short man. Should be even shorter than I met. <laughs> yeah. He has some joke about crossing the street with his mom and how tiny he was. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, no, women, I did not notice any particularly short ones. Um, but uh, how was it to be? I don't know. The thing with the with these things in general is, like, you don't, I have nothing to say. Uh, it's like there's a wow moment and, mm-hmm. like, there's an immediate comparison between what they look like on screen and what they look like in person. But especially with actors, who are the people that you recognize, of course, they, the whole nature of their job is to be playing different parts in every single thing that they do. So you don't feel like you have a connection to their personality. Like, mm-hmm. versus, like, say, and this re- reveals kind of the film nerd in me, but, like, the people that I've actually had substantive conversations with really substantive conversations with on this um, on, in that whole campaign were like film critics because I would I you got to know them better yeah I got to know them better because I feel like there's an immediate connection because I I and we grew up on movies and we I can immediately be like you know like I thought your review of so and so was like you great but I also disagree with you. you know what I mean are there film reviewers you admire in particular definitely yeah I mean yeah. I, I like Manola Dargis a lot I think she's a wonderful writer yeah I got to know Elvis Mitchell a little bit and I think he's super cool really yeah whereas I feel he's failed upwards <laughs> wait what do you mean well he got in trouble for plagiarizing Elvis Mitchell yes oh I'm genuinely <laughs> expressing not knowing this so. yeah uh did he really? Yeah. And, uh, For plagiarizing what? You can go, go look it up. Oh. Elvis, I still love you. If you listen <laughs> to Katie's podcast, I love you. Um, but, but, you know, it's not that people don't make mistakes and things like that. Yeah. I mean, he, he also would spend a lot on his uh, house accounts at the New York <laughs> Times and things like that. Um, but, he, but he, you know, look, people make mistakes in their careers. It doesn't, it doesn't negate that that person might be a wonderful writer and might know a lot about film yeah. just because they're well, not, not a good business person. or It shows you that I don't, like, keep up with the actual <laughs> anything other than the actual, like, reviews that they write because I know well, nothing about that. And I don't know the circumstances of who was working for who. What, right. You know, I mean, 
it's very easy to speculate from the outside. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've never heard anything positive about working with him, but that doesn't mean that <laughs> he's not someone who's fabulous at what he does. I'm serious. You I know th- what I mean? Like, yeah. It's a subjective thing that I'm saying when yeah. I'm hearing this third person, reading this fourth person. Right. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, I, I know nothing. I don't I mean, know the dynamics. I'm not well read enough to know all, all of the kind of conversation around it, but I, he now, ha- I think, has a form that works a lot for, works very well for him, which is that he the radio show. There's yeah, the, his podcast and uh, and what he does at LACMA, which is really cool. Oh, neat! I'll go see it. Um, yeah, you know, hosting conversations with filmmakers at at the at the museum there. Um, there is also a lot of crossover because he pitches his own projects and does has it? had films and works. And so, I mean, I think in general, sometimes it's hard. Sometimes I find reviewers a little sycophantish. Because they're also pitching their own works. Oh, really? Yeah. I've never, I never, didn't even know that he had his own works. But at the same time, that is what the world we live in, where we yeah. all wear multiple hats. That's why yeah. I always say I'm not a journalist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I'm someone interested in learning about <coughs> Yeah. And it's not to say that I shouldn't be held to certain standards, but, yeah. but um, journalistic ones are not ones that I... Yeah. That's why I can make loud statements about poor Elvis Mitchell. <laughs> yeah, and crush my, my notion of him. I yeah, and... Um, were you able to enjoy your success? Like, were you able to be there and be proud of yourself and be like, I can't believe I'm up for an Oscar? Like, Yes, yes. There's, fabulous. Yes, there's... It, the thing... If it, if, it didn't, if it didn't last so long, I don't know if I would be able to beat back my anxiety enough to enjoy it, but but yes, I, there, I think it sunk, sunk in at one point and, and I got to... Kind of bask in this in this craziness. It's um, amazing because you're so close. You're like literally so cl- like we were very because if you're nominated for something, you're you're especially like a picture or something. You're in the some of the frontal rows or whatever. Yes. And so we were very close to people that the camera actually cares about as well as the stage. And I think being just that close and in the same batch of that is like oh yeah like. This is the real deal, you know what I mean? And looking around you and the whole red carpet thing, and it's 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 nuts. I think it would be particularly nuts if we had wrapped more, like we had wrapped production like um, sooner than like three years ago. <laughs> I see that it would still you would still have would, the feeling buoy. You would be buoyed by the feeling of finishing this film right away. To well, more that it would be even more surreal because we would be going literally from the grime to yeah to this crazy world. And instead, there's been a very protracted process with it. You know, we've done we did this for we did the publicity of the film for more than a year. You know, and so there's. You get slowly acclimated to it in a weird way, but it. it but um, still, the Oscars, and you're still like, whoa, like what? What the? And you're nominated for best picture. I mean, yeah. I, I'm so proud as a person outside who obviously yeah. gets her information fourth hand and third hand from people. Mm-hmm. Um, but to to know that someone who isn't coming up through the studio system, right, is being nominated right. is really inspiring. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, I think that that also gets at some of the weirdness is like in this and not having been not being established at all, being just a couple years out of college and I guess I not a couple years, but it, you know, just, you know, like you know, like you you grow up in this world of where 
where it's less these, than a decade since you've been out of college. Right, though. right. This like community that you went to college with, and this community that you've built in New Orleans, and all these people are still connected to your life in a way that they couldn't be, like say, ten years ago, through stuff like Facebook and Twitter. And that it, it definitely adds to the conversation uh, about the news in a way that, like, I don't think would be true of you know more st- like Steven Spielberg's producers. I mean, she's a hip lady. She's on probably Facebook. on Facebook. But, um, but <laughs> who is his producer, I, Kathleen Kennedy? Yeah, who's yeah. great. So yeah. cool. Yeah. That's that's another thing. That's that's the coolest. Um, one of the coolest things that we did while we were in LA is you you the producers branch of the academy throws you a throws you. I mean, they host a very intimate, like nice gathering of the other producers nominated. It's wonderful. With um, you know, I don't know other the other governors of that branch because that's like the... You guys get to be governors just because you're a no, producer? No, 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 no. Not us. Not us. They have governors for each Talk branch. Talk about politics in Hollywood being <laughs> a little too close for comfort. No, no, no. <laughs> like, they have a governor for each branch. You get to chill with your other nominees and the governors and maybe a few other people. So, for example, at ours, it was, you know, Eric Fellner who produced Les Mis and Kathleen Kennedy who is um, Spielberg's producer and the Amore producers and oh, wow. some of the Django producers. And then Roger Corman, who is like, you. I grow up studying in film history. And what is this like meeting all of your heroes? It's, I mean, it's, it's crazy. But Roger, that's another thing is with producers, there's immediately stuff to talk about. You know okay. what I mean? Be- and Roger Corman, it was funny. He's, he's like 85 years old, but he... I had one of the more substantive conversations that I've had. What did with you talk about with him? He was really interested in politics and like and like, um, you know, digital grassroots type stuff. The which stuff is that, all everything you did. For which the is Obama stuff, campaigns. yeah, stuff that we happen to be kind of knowledgeable about. And um, so that was really that was really cool. And then you sit down at a dinner, and then you have like the woman that wrote Terminator with James Cameron right next to you, and she's talking about how she got started because of Roger Corman who's right across the table from you, it's like, it's, it's, it's crazy. And to see, to know now that you can work with your heroes also, that they're asking you about your work and you can... Well, um, <laughs> I don't know if it's that. Yeah, but you may work with, with you know, Kathleen Kennedy. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean... You don't know that, you may. Yeah, you do a lot of these meetings that are like general meetings, you know what I mean? I don't think it, I think, I think we're very still, very much still outside of the system and I think we like that you know what I mean so I don't think that um, sure maybe in the future there would be an opportunity for us to all work but um, with your heroes you sort of have it's been more informative for us to meet them or have meetings with them where we just sort of track out what they're kind of um, how they got to where they were and what they did and then the advice they have but there's a difference between that and like the people that we're talking to about, like, hey, let's work together. What did you learn from your heroes that sticks out to you still that you've been sort of mulling over? Um, uh, you know, uh, Steven Spielberg came up to Ben at an event and said um, he wanted to know how we found Hush Puppy, which was super cool because that was something that I was intimately involved in, and we told him, and he said that's the only way you can do it you got to make the effort and you got to go out there and find them. And that's like, if I needed any validation at all, it's like Steven Spielberg right there is telling you that what you did is valuable and worthwhile. I mean, 
also like her getting nominated for an Academy Award is is validating enough. But having this guy, you know, absolutely. And and for folks who who didn't hear the first podcast, uh, Michael as his role as producer, which is everything because it's this low budget production put together by a group of friends. Um, well, it's everything. And then you divide it up. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I meant that you, you wore many hats and one of them was, was casting and that yeah. you would go into these public schools, um, and just see as many kids as you possibly could. Yeah. And that is how you stumbled upon, um, Nazy. Yeah. Quavengine. Yeah. Quavengine, who, um, is such a phenomenal actress as evidenced in her audition tape. Yeah. She's great. Um, and what, yes, and, and what else did he say? He said, oh, he said something to Ben about, like, you're still going to feel like an outsider, and that's okay, and that's good. Meaning, like, after all this uh, hubbub dies down, like, you're, you're, you will still, it will be surreal coming back down off of it. You'll be back in your own world, but that's a good thing, and that's not a, you need to hold on to that. And I think that that's, Absolutely true. Yeah. Okay. Helpful advice. Yeah. Helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think the only way that we were able to make the thing is by existing outside of the only thing way we were able to able to make a thing that got so much respect from the industry was by making it outside of the industry in a weird way. Staying true to your own voice. Well, just yeah, the ability to make something on your own terms and, and very different and yeah, for Ben to express his own voice yeah yes now in the in the last episode i rudely came across a subject that i wanted to say was i was asking you about financing i don't feel crass asking about money i think it's an important topic and one that people should care about but <laughs> i don't um, think you're i don't feel like it's crass either but what i the what i was trying to do but but didn't do um was sort of say that you you had parental friends as do i who could potentially give money yeah. to you i want to go to the next subject of that, which is, yes, okay, now you've been able to raise money sure. from people you know. Now you're in a position to be raising money from people in the business. Yes, true. So I don't how? think that I could unless say no, I mean, I think you're still, in the independent film world, you're still dependent on a lot of private, uh, uh, well, it depends on the project, but in either, in either way, private, uh, what was the word I'm um, private investors, you know what I mean? Wait, so this is so depressing. So basically, like, there's no time where you can sort of say, I'm done with Kickstarter. I can now go. Well, it depends on what projects you want to make. I mean, you know, if I wanted, if we, if we wanted to, we could totally, you know, sell out and move to L.A., get involved in some um, scripts that are pretty commercial. And How do we do that? How do we do that? I oh, think, wait, you just met you guys, Quartz <laughs> Yeah, the, the us. Because I'm leaving on a plane in a couple hours, and I have no meeting set up there, so let me know. No, but that's the weird thing, is like once you get something done, it's like, and you have some people paying attention to you, you can leverage that into making something that is totally not that at all. I can't tell you how many people email and are like, I think Ben would be the perfect director for this. And it's like... Because it involves the South, or because the, it involves the, the a swamp, or, or <laughs> you know, 
guys, that does that happen to you? What are the most ludicrous things you guys have gotten? Pitched? I had a woman call me the other day, leave a message. She says, "My name is so and so. I was an actress in the film Fat Beach." which I actually grew up watching. I, I, I watched that later. It was one of those movies because it had a lot of bikinis in it and maybe some nudity that, like, if you're a teenage boy, uh, you might, like, you know, if you're crashing at your friend's place, not even teenage, like, like let's say junior high type years, like, not high schooler, like, you crash with your friends. They're like, yo, let's watch that beach. It has, you know, it has boobs in it. And you're like, cool. Uh, and you watch it. That's the context in which I watch Fat Beach. So to have this woman call me and be like, I was an actress in Fat Beach. I also had like a small part in like, I wanted to say Dream Girls or something like that. Oh, wow. And I, I've written like my life story into a script, and I think Ben Zeitlin would be the perfect director for it. And I'm just like, I don't even know how to. It's like, I tend to be one of those people that humors people, and I like read everything. Yeah. Or I try to. Um, but there's no. The larger point is that. People think because Ben made a movie about um, people in an isolated community in the South, in the in in like a Bayou type community, that anything involving the Bayou, anything involving the South, anything that is I don't know, not it is like not of the Hollywood system and kind of feels quote gritty and authentic. It's is like oh Ben, you would be perfect for it. It's like it's not. Yeah. But you guys are also in this luxurious position where you can turn stuff down because of who you are. Yes, so you've, because you've, yes. you've purposely chosen to be artists first. And so what you're saying is we're going to do projects that we care about versus I'm going to do anything that's handed to me. Because the truth is, is that independent film, whatever it is, right. is still going to be a serious schlep to get done. It's like, it's Absolutely. not like, it's Abs- so much work going into Absolutely. it. So you're like, okay, if, if this is going to be as emotionally and physically painful as it is to make yeah. a movie, I need to be invested in the film. Absolutely, yeah. I think that gets at it because, well, there's it, it, there's two separate things because like there's Ben who's never going to make anything, well, I don't want to say never, but like he's only interested in making something that he like he, he he will never he he does not take unsolicited scripts like he will not just like he's interested in making his own work directing his own work right now for us it's like for the producers it's like yes we are open to we are producers we're open to working on many people's things and that and we already have and um stuff like that but there still has to be i think a a deep desire to go those go that length as far as effort like you have to read a script and be dying to make it because, especially, because we are not because you because it is a lot of work. What you're like what you articulated. It's like it is. You have to somehow raise that money. You have to put the right people in place. You probably have to move to somewhere away from your personal life for a, a while. I have to get a personal life just to move away from it. <laughs> well, maybe you can move away and then find your personal life. Um, but yeah, I think that's and that's something that we all kind of strive for. We all want to make good stuff. Yeah. That's not to say that good stuff doesn't intersect with commercial you know? at all. You know, like there's plenty of good. Well, and and really good will end up having much more of an impact, right? For better for worse. I mean, Oprah probably got more people to read than our public school system. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's this yeah. is how life is. Yeah, I guess what I mean when I, I like say to that- use I like to use 
parallels and examples that have nothing to do with the point you're making. (laughs) (laughs) So that you can be like, right, right, right. Uh, No, not at all. (laughs) No, but like, and so when I mean, when I say sell out and move to LA, I mean, that's a different thing than staying out of LA, uh, continuing to work on stuff that is, that is good first and foremost, that, that like moves us to want to make it be that commercial or not. So it's not as simple as like, oh, commercial stuff is for the suckers. It's like more about, you know, if, if, if we didn't care about good stuff at all, it's like we could position ourselves in a way to just make any old script that comes through the door, talk to any old financier, uh, and try to slap it together and see if it works. But I, I find that I, I wouldn't be able to even properly raise money for a film that I didn't care about because I can't, I think part of, and this, we talked about this in the other day, is like you have to be able to tell a compelling story. And I don't mean in the script phase, but I mean as a producer, you have to be able to talk about why this means something to you and why it's so important to put into the world. You yes. know what I mean? Yeah. That has to, otherwise if finance, if, I don't know. I, I find like the, that's important. Um, for when I'm trying to raise money. If, I, like, if I'm just like, it's a space alien thriller, kind of like Aliens totally. meets Battleship Galactica. It's like, uh, yeah, that could attract some financiers, but I just find it personally hard to talk about. Do financiers come to you now? Um, you, uh, it's more like, no, I, I mean, sure, there are some individual, like, people that we've met along the way who would who would be interested in helping because we're still like playing ball in a very kind of shallow pool i mean or that's not i don't know if that metaphor is exactly. not as shallow as the podcast pool we're like in a little <laughs> sink well i'm still i mean we're still <laughs> dealing the cold water drips like like, <laughs> like the like the like we're still making small budget independent film i see we're not immediately in like some sort of 40 million dollar type Situation. What equals small independent? Because I, I, outside of the franchises of you know Spider Man one two three seventeen, mm-hmm. isn't everything else small and independent? I mean, wouldn't Silver Linings Playbook be considered an independent film? Well, now you're touching on a sensitive subject because it won the Independent Spirit Awards, much to everyone's uh, chagrin. Oh, I don't know if I'm stirring waters here, but I don't think so at all. It doesn't seem from an, as a young outsider. I'm like, how is that an independent film? It has all these star actors, and it's backed by. Uh, Weinstein. Well, yeah, well, the Weinsteins, I mean, I don't even know if they put up money before. I think they just released it. But basically, I I mean, if you think about it, like, everything except the tentpole films. That's what I just said. Are are technically independent. So what equals a small independent budget? Small independent budget is, like, something, I'd say, I don't know, $10 million or less. Okay. Chapatulas? Chapadoulas comes out on um, DVD April 30th. Oh, I see what you're doing here. It's yeah. a great film. <laughs> um, so, so that comes out on DVD? On April 30th, yeah. And so can people get that off Netflix? Uh, you will be able to, you should, yes, you should be able to get it on Netflix as of April 30th. Yeah. And where else can they find it? Um, you can find it at oscilloscope.net. How do you is, spell that? Um, O-C, oh, sorry, O-S-C-I-L-L. O S C O P E. That is Oscilloscope. That's the name. I mean, of, I mean, this is an all nice nicety. It is the worst name for a website you could possibly. <laughs> well, come that's up. the name of the distributor. Okay. Uh, they're a great distributor. Adam Yao of the BC Boys. R I P. So you will be able to get Chapatulas 
Um, starting April 30th on Netflix, you'll be able to download the DVD. And if people want to go to Court 13, do they go to your website or do they go to Facebook? Yeah, for, for Court 13, anything related to Court 13, you can see the shorts that we made prior to Beasts. You can see music videos that we worked on. You can see um, the movies we made with kids when we were doing our after-school program. That's all at Court13.com. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Michael Gowell, mm-hmm. for coming on. And you're still going to be politically involved? You're still doing... Uh, who knows? Who knows? Who knows? If we get another Barack Obama that comes around, then I, I, I might rejoin that crazy circus. But well, I hope that we have another <laughs> Barack Obama or someone who who is um, aspiring to be so. And I certainly hope that they have um, they can call on you, Liz Warren. She's exciting. She's fabulous, isn't yeah, she? She's great. All right. Well, well, I'll I'll put you guys in touch. <laughs> First, yeah. I have to meet her to put you in touch. Michael, thank you so much for being on Employee of the Month. It's been a treat to have you on the air, and we'll have to have you come back. That's it for this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please check out our website, EmployeeOfTheMonthShow.com. That's EmployeeOfTheMonthShow.com. You can nominate people. You can give me feedback about the interviews, what you liked, didn't like, people you'd like to hear from. Again, this show is about jobs, work, and culture. So trying to get a sense of how people spend their time, what they do with it. We really only, we meaning me, like to only interview interesting, good eggs. The good part meaning that they have a moral compass. I probably will not take someone if they're a dictator or a parking ticket officer. But anyone else who has a really interesting job or career, please feel free to uh, let us know about them. Please donate if you have money. We could really use your help. It makes the sound quality that much better. It helps pay for people. And even me, I could afford to have three meals in a day instead of combining. That would be a delight. I really want to thank Ian Mazoff for being just a wonderful partner in crime, as well as all of you for listening. Thank you so, so much. And how did I not thank Lady Parts? Thank you, Lady, for being the best co-host a host could ever have. I'm Katie Lazarus. Be well.